Welcome to Episode 10 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. If you have not already viewed Episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology and revelation, I urge you to do so since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding this and later episodes in the series. In this episode, the focus is on chapter 5, which includes many of the same words, phrases, and songs or variations on the same that are found in chapter 4, in which St. John revealed his vision of the throne of God. In chapter 5, St. John continues to speak as the seer who is given the opportunity of viewing affairs from the heavenly perspective, telling readers what he saw after he had been invited by the voice from heaven to, quote, come up here in Revelation 4, verse 1. The illustration is St. John receives his revelation from the St. Saber Beatus and 11th century revelation manuscript from the collection of the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris, France. As a reminder for those new to the series, I will first read a set of verses, and following each reading, I will discuss the possible sources and meaning of the words or images. Sources include the Old Testament, Old Testament Apocrypha, Jewish literature or teaching traditions in the centuries just before the birth of Christ, and the New Testament. I begin the readings with chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. The illustration is the Lamb and the book with seven seals from the 11th century manuscript, the Bamberg Apocalypse, as used on page 52 in the companion bookstore publication, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. The one seated on the throne holds a scroll written on both front and back, and an angel inquires in a loud voice, who among those present is worthy to break the seven seals and open the scrolls? The right hand is considered the strong hand. 
The Nicene Creed declares that after his resurrection, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. For more on the Hebrew and Christian understanding of the phrase right hand and on the concept of angels as created beings who are messengers of God, see the entries of the same name in the AIC bookstore publication, Layman's Lexicon. The illustration is an early 16th century tempera and gold on panel icon, The Apocalypse, depicting scenes in the book, including John receiving his revelation from an angel at the top right and dictating to his scribe Prochorus in the right center, with other scenes following clockwise around the image. In verse 4, John the seer weeps his despair when none in heaven, on earth or under the earth, was deemed worthy to open or read the scrolls. The concept of who is worthy comes up again later in this chapter. Under the earth in verse 3 is a reference to the Hebrew idea of Sheol, the resting place of the dead, also called the pit or the abyss. Scrolls and books are mentioned 23 times in Revelation. John himself did not invent the idea of scrolls with secret decrees from God on the subject of the fate of man in end times or with other kinds of messages. A typical Old Testament example of the same usage is Ezekiel 2 verse 9 and 10, which refers to a scroll of a book which contained, quote, lamentations and mourning and woe. Another example is Psalm 139, verse 15, which refers to a book in which everything about a person is written. In Hebrew temporal worship, the words of the Lord were read from papyrus scrolls. The illustration shows a typical example of such a temple scroll on wooden holders with handles for ease of reading when unrolling and reading from right to left. Noticing St. John's weeping, one of the 24 elders speaks up in verse 5, declaring that John need not weep because the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, has broken the seven seals. Here, once again, St. John demonstrates mastery of Old Testament scripture. The Lion of Judah is referred to in Genesis 49, verses 8 and 9. In our own time, he is the Christ figure, the lion, named Aslan, in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe story in the Chronicles of Narnia. The Root of David is from the prophecy of Isaiah, in Isaiah 11, 1-10, in which a rod out of the, quote, stem of Jesse shall put forth a branch who will, quote, stand for an ensign of the people. The Phrases Lion of Judah and Root of David from Stem of Jesse are symbols of Christ describing his ancestry. These lead directly into the next set of readings 
when a slain bloodied lamb appears, quote, in the midst of the throne and among the mysterious four creatures and 24 elders, and is symbolic of Jesus' sacrificial death for the salvation of mankind. The next set of readings is verses 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. The illustration is 24 elders before God the Father and the Lamb, a mid-19th century oil on canvas by Jacob DeWitt in the collection of the National Gallery of Denmark in Copenhagen. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. In verse 6, St. John shows Christ the Lamb in the midst of his church, symbolized by the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders. The twenty-four elders are said to be the twelve tribes of Israel plus the twelve apostles, representing together a conjoining of the people of the Old and the New Covenants. In verse 6, John describes the Lamb as having seven horns and seven eyes, the latter of which, he says, are the seven spirits of God sent unto all the earth. As I explained in the Primer on Numerology in episode 2, seven is a symbol of fullness, meaning being perfect and lacking nothing. The phrase seven spirits of God had been used three previous times in Revelation, one each in chapters 1, 3, and 4, either referring to angels and archangels or to the seven spirits from Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 3. The phrase Lamb of God comes from St. John the Baptist as quoted in John 1, 29, who would take away the sins of the world. In his suffering servant prophecy, Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 53, 7, that the lamb will be led, quote, to the slaughter. The horns imagery reflects the Hebrew belief of the years just before Christ that the Messiah would come in the form of a lamb with horns. According to the Orthodox Study Bible New Testament and Psalms, this is known as the warrior lamb. This lamb would fight for the people against the Roman conquerors. They did not expect the warrior lamb to die. In verse 8, the 24 elders and four living creatures, each holding a harp and golden bowl of incense, fall down before the lamb and break into song. 
John reminds readers in the same verse that incense represents prayers rising to God. This is likely based on Psalm 141, 2, Let my prayers be set forth in thy sight as the incense. The new song they sing in verse 9 is the first of three doxologies in chapter 5. The need for a new song is spoken of five times in the book of Psalms. Psalms 33, 3, 96-1, 98-1, 144-9, and 149-1, and will appear again in John's work in Revelation 14, verse 3. The theme of who is worthy in Revelation 5, verses 2, 3, and 4 returns with the singers crying that the Lamb is worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because he was slain, redeeming the people of the world, quote, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Perhaps alluding to the words from chapter 2, verse 26 in Revelation, addressed to those who overcome in the church at Thyatira, they declare themselves kings and priests entitled to reign on earth. These images represent the Christian concepts of redemption through sacrifice, which leads to victory, in this case, Christ's victory over death. And remember that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus titled himself the faithful witness. Significant here because the Greek word for witness is martus, from which the word martyr is derived. Jesus' death represents the possible cost of witnessing. The final set of readings for Episode 10 is verses 11 through 14, which begin with the second and third doxologies in Revelation 5 and offer more evidence of St. John's extensive knowledge of Hebrew scripture and other writings and of the events of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. For the second and third doxologies, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders are joined by many angels. 
John gives the number of this celestial army of God's created beings who serve as messengers as a fantastical 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. As I explained in episode 2, these kinds of phrases mean not a specific number, but to suggest a quantity that is beyond measure. This great host is called the Sabaoth. And remember that the Lord is the Lord God of Sabaoth, or in Hebrew, Adonai Sabaoth. Which literally means Lord of hosts. In the second doxology, in verse 12, the singers again declare the Lamb worthy. He is to receive seven attributes. Again, note the use of the perfect number seven. These are power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. Each of these seven is a characteristic of the divine. They echo the words heard in the final prayer of King David in First Chronicles 29, verses 10 to 13, which I included in the AIC Bookstore publication, Hear Us, O Lord, Daily Prayers for the Laity, on page 8, part of a collection of ancient prayers of praise and thanksgiving. In verse 13, the chorus is joined by all the creatures of the earth and of heaven and, yes, even of the dead in Sheol, as well as those in the sea and under it, in the third doxology found in chapter 5. But this time, the song adds the Father to the list of those who are praised. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Please note that the song ends with an exclamation point, meaning it should be sung with vigor. In Matthew 24.30, St. Matthew reports Jesus referring to the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Finally, in verse 14, the four living creatures typically used in Christian worship as symbols of the four gospel authors cry out, Amen. Then the 24 elders fall down and worship the Lamb who lives forever and ever. Again, as earlier, Amen seems to suggest not just the Hebrew so be it, but a finality, as in there is nothing more to be said. Thank you for joining me for episode 10 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Next time, in episode 11, the focus is on chapter 6, which is the opening of the first six seals. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode include the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints, first series, in which St. John, whose feast day is December 27th, is the focus of episode 4, and John the Baptist, whose feast day is June 24th, the focus of episode 10. In the AIC Christian Education video series, The Great O Antiphons, Presented with one episode each for the final seven days of Advent, the key phrase for December 20th is O Radix Jesse, or Root of Jesse.
In the companion book to this series, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation, presented in 214 pages with 52 illustrations, 51 of them from the Bamberg Apocalypse, The Lamb and the Book with Seven Seals in Chapter 5 is illustrated on page 52, and my primer on numerology is found on pages 7 to 11. In the writing prophets of the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah is discussed and illustrated in Part 2, Chapter 1, on pages 13 to 20, which includes a text box, Isaiah, in Christian liturgy on page 16. Ezekiel, whose vision of the four living creatures was discussed in the context of Revelation 4, 6 to 11, is discussed and illustrated in Part 2, Chapter 3, on pages 29 to 36. The vision is discussed on pages 32 and 33 with a text box Ezekiel in Christian Scripture, Worship, and Teaching on page 32. In the Gospel of Matthew, annotated and illustrated, produced in 262 pages with 117 illustrations from the 8th to the 20th century, including 14 images of Matthew, Jesus' prophecy of end times and the return of the Son of Man is discussed in chapter 24. In Layman's Lexicon, the key words of interest are Amen, Angels and Archangels, Doxology, Hades, Messiah, Numerology, Right Hand of God, Sabaoth, Son of Man, and Witness. In the prayer book Psalter, Psalms mentioned in this episode includes Psalms 33, 96, 98, 139, 141, 144, and 145. The book includes commentary on each psalm and cross-reference as to how and where it is used in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. Finally, in Hear Us, O Lord, Daily Prayers for the Laity, the final prayer of King David from 1 Chronicles 29 is found on page 8 among the collection of prayers of praise and thanksgiving. The key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, where we've made it easier for you to learn about Christian education, doctrine, worship, and study using your preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series using the links on either the digital library or Bible study pages. If you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our videos using the links on the podcast archive page or to our podcast homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer using the links on the podcast homilies page. If you prefer written works, you can access any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications, all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions, using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage, or directly using my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. 
Everything after .com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www.anglicaninternetchurch, accessible through the Father Ron's blog tab at the top or the bottom of any page on the site. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address and receive notice of all new postings. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other organization, and you can ask for the removal of your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.